Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I am Katherine Eastman, the Archives Manager of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm David Leopold, the Creative Director. And we are back again. That sounds scary. It's not scary. We are back in to have a podcast episode in conjunction with our new online exhibition. Socially Distant Theater, the solo show as seen by Hirschfeld. And what does that mean, David? I think it says it all. I mean, well, first of all, when uh, as things began to close down, we know that there's always an audience that wants to see Hirschfeld. Yeah. And we know that people are stuck in, in their homes and there are all kinds of great theater uh, broadcast and stars in the house and they're all very wonderful. But we weren't seeing a lot of theater-related or performance-related exhibitions online. And uh, museums are slowly getting up to speed, and we wanted to, to put something out there. And so the question would be, what is it? And as we were thinking about it, I thought, well, the only, way, only show you can really do these days, because you can't be around other people, is a one-person show. And so from there, I started thinking, I wonder how many one-person shows Hirschfeld drew. And, well, not surprising, a lot. And remember, before you really get into this, stop what you're doing and go to the show notes on your podcast app or on your browser and be sure, please, to follow along as we talk about the different pieces. Otherwise, it's just going to be David blabbing on about things you don't know. So please, please, please follow along in the show notes. You'll be able to pull the drawing up that we're talking about. And even in this case, just go to the exhibition page and scroll right through the whole show with us. Um, so don't forget to do that. Um, so we picked 25 of them uh, and put them together in a new exhibition on our website, alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Just click on the exhibitions tab and it'll take you right there. Um, and we, it's, a, it's 25 drawings that cover a half century of one-person shows. Mm. Um, and now the history of one-person shows, what's interesting is our earliest one is 1952. Hmm. Uh, and that was really, late. it does seem pretty late and I was surprised and I went back and I took a look to see, oh, there must be other one person shows that he drew. There are individual performers that would be the featured performer, like an Eddie Cantor. Sure. Um, but that's not a one person show. And then I started thinking about the history of, you know, when do people start doing the one person shows? Hmm. Well, I mean, it goes back to caveman because what doesn't? Uh, I mean, I'm sure the caveman who was telling the story of his latest kill to the rest of the people in his whatever they would call a tribe for cavemen, that was a one-person show. I mean, it was the oral history. You know, this seems like legends. This, this seems like you're reaching a little bit, David. Well, I'm just going back to the beginning. <laughs> If Hirschfeld's uh, 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 influences go back to the caves of Altamira, so does the world person show. Okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but, you know, there were, during uh, the age of the Greeks, there were the Greek monologists. True. There were, Good point. were strolling minstrels in medieval England. Uh, there were the French troubadours. Um, in opera in the late 18th, in mid 18th century, you start getting a monodrama that is primarily a one person opera. Hmm. Um, but really for what we would consider a show, um, starts also, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it starts in mid 19th century. Edgar Allan Poe was a huge hit 
with these what they would call platform performances where he would uh, lecture and recite poetry. Mm. And of course, it is legendary that the reading tours of Charles Dickens, where he went across Britain and then America in 1858 and 1870 and created a sensation where he would read, he would sort of give dramatic readings to his own stories. Mm. And he only appeared on stage, you know, with a book and at his reading desk. Uh, and he, he delivered them and it was a it was a very big deal. I mean, in terms of British invasion, you wouldn't see anything like this until the Beatles. Really? Yeah. Uh, um, so is our solo shows born out of vaudeville? Was that something that was done then? Well, vaudeville had the, had one person acts like Joe Frisco was a classic one person act uh, in vaudeville, but um, that was 12 minutes. You know, uh, and I don't think you could really call that a one person show, you know, uh, uh, any more than I think what you would say the Marx Brothers did was uh, full length comedies or something. You know, they just they I mean, they created sort of a play in the vaudeville setting. I mean, it was actually quite amazing what they did. But uh, uh, that was a different kind of thing. Mm. We're talking about the legitimate theater, uh, putting on a show that really has a beginning, middle and end. Um, that features just one performer. Hmm. Um, To me, it's a classic theater experience because it relies a great deal on the power of the actor and the power of the imagination. Hmm. Uh, So many of these shows have very few props. They don't come on stage and have all these things to play around with. Uh, You know, James Whitmore in Will Rogers USA, he used to come out in regular street clothes Hmm. and start with start telling people what he was going to do and he would take off his jacket and he'd put on a cowboy hat and pull out a rope. And all of a sudden he was Will Rogers. Mm. He didn't look like Will Rogers. He wasn't really dressed as Will Rogers, but he gave you enough to start and then your imagination took over. Interesting. Um, I mean, Julie Harris, when she did uh, Belle of Amherst about Emily Dickinson, uh, she was dressed like Emily Dickinson. I mean, that was costumed. Right. Uh, when Roy Dottris did Mr. Lincoln, he looks just like Mr. Lincoln. Yeah. Um, well, let's start at the beginning then with okay. Emlyn Williams. Okay. Well, Emlyn Williams, this piece is interesting for a lot of reasons. First of all, the the earliest one-person shows that we found uh, by Hirschfeld are in 1952. That year, uh, and I didn't, we didn't include every single show in this exhibition, mm. folks. Uh, so in 1952, there were two other drawings that could have qualified. Oh, wow. Um, Betty Hutton at the Palace. She oh, is drawing. technically the only member of the cast. Uh, and it's a wonderful drawing that's now owned by the Library of Congress. Um, but she, it, it, she was really billed as um, Betty Hutton and her all-star international review. So she had a lot of support there. Mm. She had a whole band on stage. Gotcha. Uh, and that uh, is, to me, not exactly a one-person show. Sure. I can understand uh, that. That same year, there's also An Evening with Bee Lily. Yes. Where Hirschfeld actually takes us into an apartment yeah. uh, as yeah, they're rehearsing. Yeah, a cool drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that could have been in. And uh, I just, I was looking for drawings that are not seen as much. Mm-hmm. And so from 1952, I felt that Emily Williams as Charles Dickens 
was the one to use because it really hasn't been reproduced much at all. Yeah. And this is an interesting drawing because there's a very clear caricature of Emlyn Williams in the, you know, kind of the left part of the drawing, but then surrounding him are different scenes. I'm assuming from Charles Dickens stories. Yeah. Frederick Bernard was sort of like the go-to guy for Dickens illustrations. Mm, So these are Bernard drawings. Yes, these are. Hirschfeld had a big book of uh, Bernard uh, illustrations of Dickens stories. Hmm. I mean, like an oversized book, like maybe uh, 18 inches by 12 inches. It was a very big book. Hmm. I found it in the studio. When I found it in the studio, I had no idea why he would have this. Hmm. And when I showed it to him, he's like, oh, I used that in the drawing, you know, of Emmeline Williams. And then, of course, I went to look up the Emmeline Williams drawings, and here it was. Very cool. Now, and when you look at it in the New York Times, and I say this in the caption of the, uh, uh, in the exhibition, they have it credited drawing by Al Hirschfeld with an assist from another century by Frederick Bernard. Um, and I'm pretty sure they took that from Hirschfeld's hand-drawn caption. I bet it said uh, that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds completely like Al Hirschfeld. Um, and then, but this image was also then used on the souvenir program when it went on tour and in newspaper ads, except uh, Bernard should get a better agent because they cut out all of his work and just <laughs> used uh, the Dickens. Uh, 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 but it's really great. And, and one of the other reasons I wanted to start with this one, because it has a direct connection to that late 19th century uh, experience. Yeah, it's like the perfect opening. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, that's why you see this one. And another thing about this exhibition that you should really take advantage of, when you scroll over uh, the work, a magnifying glass comes up and you can look at this work in detail like you've never been able to see it before. Yeah. I'm looking at it on my iPad. And when you, when you zoom in, when you click on it, it's almost like, it's almost like um, actual size or what I, what I would imagine the drawing might be, you know, uh, if we're thinking like a 20, 20, 20 by 21 by 27 drawing, it's almost like it's that big. You know, right. you can't see it all at once, obviously, but it's really close up. It's really something. It's really a great cool thing to do. Um, and for you Nina searchers, you will find it very helpful oh, because yeah. it's so funny. When our our uh, web designer, uh, when he, he put in the feature, we were looking at it and he clicked on this piece he says, oh, look at that. There's a Nina and a bow tie I never saw before. <laughs> it's very, you know yeah, what? it's almost if you click in the middle of the drawing. It's very Yeah, simple. you. I had never seen it before either. Oh, I um, think that's a pretty easy one. <laughs> You're better person than I. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're not going to talk about every one of these pieces, um, but uh, there are some great ones. I think for a, a large swath of the audience, they're going to think about a couple of shows. Mm. Um, Hal Holbrook in Mark Twain Tonight, which Hirschfeld never drew. Yeah. Um, James Whitmore in Will Rogers USA, which is in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. And Julie Harris is in the Bell of Amherst. Um, she, t- she toured with this show for 25 years and she could do that because it required almost nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these shows toured for years. Uh, um, Whitmore traveled with Will Rogers uh, USA for 30 years because all it really required, for, he didn't need a lot of anything. He could go seems, with a, a lighting guy. It seems like that is 
very common for one person shows like how Holbrook did Mark Twain for, I don't even know how many years. I'm not even going to oh, guess a lot. Well, so from 1954, almost all the way to the end. So he did wow. it for yeah. close to a half century. It's a long time. Yeah. He, it is a long time. And uh, um, yeah, I, I think one person shows were built out uh, uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, you people, you know, you have the actor who wants to have the spotlight on himself, who wants mm -hmm. to carry an entire show. Uh, with all the risks that are involved with that, because sure. of course, if it doesn't do well, yeah. it's all that person's fault. Um, but also, it, it's as I said, it's a very theatrical experience, and it is something that can be done at almost any time. Sure. Uh, I mean, Julie Harris did put on a costume for the show, but I'm pretty confident she could have been just as successful without the costume. Mm. And Bella um, Amherst is about Emily Dickinson. Yes. Yes. And as I say in the introduction to the show, Hirschfeld may be the perfect person to draw the one-person show because, I mean, all theater is sort of somewhat exaggerated. I mean, the reason we're watching this show in the first place is because something unusual happens or exaggerated, you know, something exaggerated from daily life. And certainly the, uh, these biographical and autobiographical shows they tend to exaggerate, not to confuse or distort, but to actually make it clearer, right. you know, just to, to, to make it seem more real, uh, that you can present it on stage and reach a wide audience. Uh, and, and so I'm not saying that Bella of Amherst is not technically or historically accurate, although I'm sure there's Emily Dickinson scholars who will tell you that it is not that, uh, but, she was able to convey the essence of Emily Dick Dickinson by essentially creating a caricature uh, of Emily Dickinson that everybody in the theater could read and understand. Sure. So Hirschfeld seems to be the perfect person to be drawing these performances. So uh, we, have, uh, we have a drawing of Lily Tomlin. You know, by the time she got to Broadway doing her show Appearing Nightly, she had already won a Grammy. She had already been nominated for an Oscar. Um, she'd been a laugh-in on television since 1968, but the but uh, it it's still an incredible um, milestone for an, a performer to make it on Broadway. Sure, uh, and uh, she conquered it. Not only did she uh, appear in a show that she and her wife wrote, uh, but it was eventually recorded, and she won a Grammy for the album. Mm. You know, uh, and uh, um, uh, Julie Harris won a, a Grammy for a spoken word album uh, of uh, the Bell of Amherst. With the other ones that I want to talk about, I love the Roy Dodgers and Mr. Lincoln. He actually was a very well-known uh, uh, British actor. Um, he had made a big hit in a solo show called Brief Lives about John Aubrey, a 17th century British writer. Uh, and it was about his accounts of lives of illustrious men of his era. Hirschfeld never drew it, but it was another show that he toured around for years. Hmm. Um, and the show that he's in in this exhibition is called Mr. Lincoln. Now, when Forge Theater in Washington, D.C., who we all know because it's where Lincoln was shot, decided uh, that they were going to do a show on Lincoln. It wasn't until 1980. Wow. And uh, so that was 115 years after the uh, most famous thing that ever happened at Ford's Theater. Wow. Um, 
they read through 36 different scripts before they decided on Herbert McGang's uh, Mr. Lincoln. Now, I'm sure for Hirschfeld, that was kind of fun because he was friends with Herbert McGang, who was a writer for the New York Times. Oh, interesting. Um, and the drawing he did for the Friday Theater column of Roy Dotris is incredible. Oh, it's a great um, If Roy Dotris looked as much and felt as much like Lincoln as this drawing does, yeah. he did an excellent job. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to take uh, our word for it. We have a link in, uh, 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 in the exhibition to this. Uh, to a video of a performance of Mr. Lincoln. Nice. And we have, uh, you can watch Julie Harris in The Bell of Amherst mm. or Henry Fonda as Clarence Darrow. We have links to all those. So really look in the, uh, in the captions because you can find a lot of information there. Um, of course, had to include uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Of course. Uh, her 1984 one-person show is only one person because Whoopi Goldberg did all the characters, but she created like uh, a whole city uh, wow. of, of characters. Um, and of course, uh, we probably told you the famous story of uh, Whoopi meeting Al Hirschfeld. She was in a rehearsal at the theater. It was just her, a stage manager, Mike Nichols, who was directing the show. And Whoopi comes out, and Whoopi told this story at the dedication of the Al Hirschfeld Theater. She came out and she looked out into the audience and her first thought was, the drugs are still in my system because out there I can see Santa Claus. She came off stage and said to the stage manager, I have to lay down because I just saw Santa Claus. And the stage manager looks out and says, that's not Santa Claus, that's Hirschfeld. And he introduces Whoopi to Al Hirschfeld and Whoopi turns into a fangirl, says uh, when she was growing up, uh, her mother would come home from her job, her second job on Sundays and bring the New York Times and they would look at uh, the Hirschfelds of the New York Times and try to find all the Ninas. But when the drawing came out, there were 40 Ninas in it. And when Whoopi wrote to him to say how much she loved the drawing and the fact that there were 40 Ninas, he wrote back, I just wanted to make sure you could find them all. And that started a friendship that lasted until Al's death. Mm. Uh, when she did a, uh, um, her production company's logo is a Hirschfeld drawing. Yep. Um, so she, she got Hirschfeld and um, Hirschfeld got her. And while her drawing has five different figures in it, they're all whoopee. Yeah, um, I was going to say, this is the only one in the exhibition that actually has multiple figures. Right. But it's right. still a one person show. One person show. And this is exactly what I was talking about. She's creating caricatures of personalities. Sure. Uh, and, and not in a pejorative way. She loves these people. She's just bringing them out for us to appreciate. Mm. And so, as I said, uh, Hirschfeld was the ideal person. One of the uh, most uh, seen drawings, uh, if you were in New York in the late 80s, you couldn't avoid this drawing of Jackie Mason in the world, according to me. It was the poster for the show. It was the program of the show. It was mm. used in all the newspaper advertisements. Uh, <laughs> I think more people would recognize Jackie Mason from this drawing than if you showed people a photograph of him. <laughs> Uh, and he would go on to do posters for other Jackie Mason show because Jackie Mason wasn't a fool. Uh, he um, understood um, mm. what it is. We do have a musical performer in the show, uh, Mandy Patinkin. Of course. And the reason I included him is because he only had 
a pianist on stage. Mm. And it's a great drawing of him. It is a great drawing of him. And and I I I don't know the show in the sense that it was a series of him singing standards and songs that he liked. And sure. But what I think is amazing is he would tell the audience at the beginning of the show that he was a perfectionist and if he didn't get it right or he felt like the song wasn't going right, he would stop it and start it again. And this happened frequently. This wasn't yeah. like, oh, one night a week. It wasn't even one time during a show. It it happened very frequently. And that and people that became part of the experience. You know, Mandy's gonna get it just right. Yeah, that's uh, a good idea. I like it. Yeah. One of the first drawings of a solo performance that I saw when I started working with Hirschfeld was Robert Morse in True. I love this Jimmy drawing. Kimmel. I do too. It's a great one. A, a great one that captures, if you know Robert Morse, you can see Robert Morse mm. and you can see Truman Capote. Yeah. Uh, and they've been melded into one thing. It's a great one. Uh, and then I watched the I watched the video of this performance, which we have a link to uh, in the caption. And Hirschfeld did a great job. Mm. You know, uh, Hirschfeld got Robert Morse to be more like Truman Capote than Robert Morse did. I mean, he mm. just really captured it. Uh, the only show that I saw, the only one person show that I saw in this exhibition is Eileen Atkins in a room of one's own. Uh, and let me tell you from personal experience, he got her. <laughs> um, the only drawing here that was commissioned by the performer is Patrick Stewart in A Christmas Carol. And this is a very popular drawing. Oh, classic. People really love this one. Yeah, and it was made. It was published as a limited edition lithograph eventually, yep. uh, and it's still very popular. Yes, it uh, is because Patrick Stewart is really popular and wonderful. And if you uh, if you ever get a chance to see, if he ever does this again, he he does every character in Christmas Carol. Hmm. Uh, and it, and he doesn't wear special costumes. He doesn't put on a wig. He doesn't do anything. It's just him. And he, uh, the, he, this is a perfect example. This is like what Dickens used to do, but uh, exponentially bigger. Mm. Uh, because he was, he's, he's such a great performer and a great actor. Um, the John Barrymore, uh, the John Barrymore, the Christopher Plummer <laughs> as John Barrymore. It's close. <laughs> yeah. Is another one of those Hirschfeld drawings that he literally is the only person who could draw this. Yeah, and this one is also very popular. It's a great drawing. The only drawing that has appeared on a national TV show is John Leguizamo in Sexaholics, A Love Story. Uh, now, uh, John is an incredible performer, really really one of the great ones right now he can do a great one-man show he's done several latin history for morons being a recent one uh but his first one on broadway was freak and hirschfeld would draw that it's an unpublished drawing but he would draw it um and this one was done in 2002 so this is 50 years mm. after hirschfeld's uh drawing of uh, emily williams as charles dickens wow, wow. and it's as good as that drawing you know, he, they, it, here he is, he, uh, within um, nine months, Hirschfeld would be gone mm. at 99 and a half. Yep. And he lost none of his drawing power. And how did this one appear on a national 
network TV show. When, last time John Leguizamo was on the Stephen Colbert show, uh, they pulled out uh, copies of his Hirschfeld drawings. Uh, well, I had recently been in contact with uh, John's wife, and I had sent her copies of both yeah. drawings. And somehow they got into the hands of Stephen Colbert. <laughs> And he starts pulling out these pages that we sent to uh, That's great. John Leguizamo's I remember uh, that. Yeah. So we sent over books of uh, the Hirschfeld Century to yeah. people over at uh, uh, the Colbert Show because uh, <laughs> we thought they would like it. Um, although I've been watching Colbert and you can see his bookcase in the background and the book is not there. Oh, no. I'll have to yeah. zoom in. I've, I've done it. You've zoomed in. You have found it. <laughs> Stephen Colbert, I'm watching. Uh-oh. <laughs> the last one in here is Elaine Stritch uh, in Elaine Stritch at Liberty. Um, again, another performer whose whole career is summed up in this performance. Mm. And the fact is she had been performing for uh, just about 50 years. She got started and Hirschfeld had only been working for 25 years uh, before that. Wow. And uh, they both left the theater at the same time. Oh, you know, she would live a little bit longer, but this was her last performance. Oh, that's, that's a nice again, way to go of, out. Yeah, definitely nice way to go. Always. Um, we did, as I said, I'm going to just touch on a few that we did not include. Okay, and please, it's not we we just did it for curating is always. It's not about what you put in, but it's what you leave out. Yeah. Um, and yes, David left out Frank Ferrante as Groucho. <laughs> well, in my defense, I love Frank. Frank, if you're listening, we love you. Don't, there's no, we, the, your omission from this exhibition is not anything other than when you did it in New York, you were not the only person on stage. Oh. Now, folks, when we ever get to go out to a theater again, mm. and Frank does his show, An Evening with Groucho, um, you must go see it. Yeah. If you ever wanted to see Groucho Marx in person, to see Frank Ferrante, it's more than close. Yeah. It is more than a reasonable facsimile. Yeah. Uh, Groucho's own family feel that they he captures him my so, husband and i went i guess it was three years ago on valentine's day he was at the bucks <laughs> county playhouse and we went to see frank uh do groucho and it was amazing it was just a wonderful evening and he's so it's so good i mean it's like you're it's like groucho is there with you and uh and if you're listening during quarantine right now at least it was a month or two ago he did an evening with groucho he didn't do makeup but he kind of did his uh very similar evening with groucho um on his facebook page and so oh, really? i'm hoping he's going to do that again because my husband and i just laid in bed and watched it as we were going to sleep <laughs> and it was great and he, he showed everybody his hirschfeld um and so it was really nice so look for that. Go on Frank's page and, and tell him to do it again because it was really wonderful. Now, and just so you know how right on uh, Frank is about Groucho, um, when one of Hirschfeld's print publishers decided to publish the print, oh yeah, they just called it Groucho A Life in Review. <laughs> no, and everyone thinks it's Groucho Marx. It's, and I said, I've said it before, it's my favorite of Groucho. It's my favorite yeah, Groucho. There you go. Line. So, so uh, Frank's missing from this exhibition. Nobody but David to blame there. <laughs> Who else did we miss, David? <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Lynn Redgrave. Oh. I know you're not around, but let me tell you, we're sorry we didn't include you. We did not have a good enough reproduction uh, of Lynn Redgrave sometimes. in Shakespeare for my father. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Yep. That, and that's and true I, in any exhibition. And I work hard to make sure we've got high res of everything. But sometimes all we have is a newspaper clipping that's cut in half. And that's just yeah. the way it is. <laughs> so if you've got a good reproduction of that, yeah, send it send in. it, please. <laughs> Dave Polk, send it. Red Buttons on Broadway from uh, 1995. Hmm. Not included. Not Mary included. Louise Wilson in Full Gallop. Again, I, one I would have included, uh, but did not have a good enough reproduction of. It was mm. a private commission. And yeah. while I do know the collector who has it, by the time we started to do this, the chance of getting it photographed from that collector yeah. uh, is impossible. This, yes, at, maybe, at this one day. maybe one yeah. day. Um, and then I think the most significant one that I did not include, uh, but probably should have included, is... Uh, Ricky J. Mm. And the reason the magician, the great magician, uh, late great magician, uh, Ricky J. Uh, in 2002, he was on Broadway in a, in a show called On the Stem that was that he created with David Mamet and mm. David Mamet directed it. And uh, the reason I didn't include it is because the drawing shows the two of them. And I was when at the time I was putting this together, I just wanted to show the show. Right. That's um, fair. What is interesting about the Ricky Jay and David Mamet drawing is when it appeared in the paper, it was the article that went with it was actually just a transcription of a conversation that Hirschfeld, David Mamet, and Ricky Jay had, mm. which, you know, now that I say that out loud, is pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds fun. Now, is this when they went to the studio to be drawn? Yes. Okay. So they went to the studio to be drawn and they start talking about the show and Hirschfeld is someone who's into magic and has known a lot of magicians. And uh, Louise, his wife, uh, Hirschfeld's uh, wife, Louise Hirschfeld, came in and said, why don't you tell them about Houdini? And I think she was uh, referring to the fact that when Al was about 15 years old, he cut a week of school to go to the palace to see every show by Houdini because he, he just thought Houdini was the most incredible mm. performer he had seen. And uh, in fact, Houdini saw him at every show and eventually invited him backstage wow. and show him how to do some of the tricks. Oh my gosh. That is the charisma that Al Hirschfeld had at this 15 is years a, old. This is just another Al Hirschfeld and Lou Gehrig story. Yeah, yeah. No, or they're... Al, they're there's too is, many of them. We should do a podcast episode of... Al Hirschfeld stories that sound made up, but are not. <laughs> you know There's too many of them. Yeah. We'd have to do fake, it it'll be Al Hirschfeld fake news, but it's but it's yeah. actually real news. Uh, uh, tall okay. tales. And <laughs> yeah, but they, they really happened. Uh, but instead, Hirschfeld talked about. Hold on seeing- one second, Chandler. No barking. Sorry, my dogs are barking. <laughs> and not my feet, my real dogs. <laughs> so instead of talking about the palace uh, with the shows that he went right, to at 15. Right, which is an incredible story. He decided right, to and another which, one? Yes. Hirschfeld <laughs> went to Houdini's farewell performance. Mm. And that's all he had to say. And Ricky Jay knew exactly what he was talking about. 
And it was one of those times when two people who don't know each other, but recognize that they both have a lot of information, sort of exchange mm. volumes of information in a moment. Mm. And it's a very animated discussion about magicians and performers on Broadway, you know, from ages ago. And I mean, it's a really incredible conversation. And the New York Times writer uh, leaves, I mean, Al's just there. The whole time he's having this conversation, he's sketching Mamet and Ricky Jay. Mm. You know, it's just, uh, that's what he did. When someone came up to his studio to uh, sit for a portrait, right. he would he just goes. talk to them. Right. You know, he was interested in people. Right. And but while they were talking, he would be drawing. Right. And uh, so when, when it was time to leave, uh, Ricky Jay, David Mamet, and this New York Times writer get into a cab, and Ricky Jay can't stop talking about the experience. Like, mm -hmm. here's a guy who, who, who knew all the history because he had been part of the history. He was a bridge to this whole period right. that Ricky Jay was fascinated in. Mm. And that not only was that Herschel could tell the story, but that he was still an active functioning member of the art world and the entertainment industry. That was just incredible. And right. Ricky Jay, essentially he turned into a fanboy. You know, he couldn't believe that that he could be talking to someone who who knew all these people. You know, someone who knew Houdini yeah, and that's, had been backstage, you yeah. know, in 1918. Yeah, it's a very small so, number of people anymore. Well, yeah, probably so, none now, um, but even then. Um, the show is really, we're very proud of the show. It's the first in a series of exhibitions, but every six weeks now, we're going to be putting up a new exhibition on different aspects of Hirschfeld's work, sort of an online exhibition of what we do with the podcast. Yeah, yeah, kind, yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And we'll probably do some podcasts to go along with these shows. Um, the next show we're going to open on Al Hirschfeld's 117th birthday. Ooh. Yeah. Well, cause the we like old 117. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Very special number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other thing that we did with this show, because we've been asked by so many people, is we created a gift shop for this exhibition. Yes. We uh, have new merch that features... Um, three different drawings from the exhibition, which I think is plenty for you guys to choose from. <laughs> and oh my we God, have, yeah. Yeah, we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, tank tops, uh, mugs, tote bags, posters. posters. Yep. Um, and you can find those at our, our shop at alhirschfeldfoundationshop.org. At the top of the screen, there is, you can just click on it, it says socially distant theater, and you can go look for them all that way. But you can also look through it, you know, by apparel, accessories, you know, all that stuff as well. Yeah, we, you know, so many people have been asking for special Hirschfeld merchandise. Yeah. And we found a way that we could offer more. Yeah. And it's a great way to have something. You want to look great in quarantine. That's right. Your family has seen all your clothes already. Yeah. You can get a shirt and you will really be impressing your family. You know what? My uh, Comedians at Lunch <laughs> t-shirt is out for delivery today. And I cannot wait to wear it. <laughs> no employee discount. But I am excited for it. Uh, <laughs> so check out our merch. It's a really, you can look stylish and drink your coffee every morning. So, and it's a great way to support the foundation as well. And we're happy, happy to do it because we know that these are, 
difficult times. And we know that not everybody can hang a nice, beautiful Hirschfeld lithograph in their home. Uh, but maybe you can wear a t-shirt or a mug or a poster of the exhibition. Definitely. Or uh, take your bags uh, uh, when you go to the grocery store. Oh, yeah. You've already got your mask. You got your gloves. You got your Purell. That's so fun. I use my Charlie Chaplin. I use my Charlie Chaplin silent clowns bag going to the grocery store. I used it this morning. Look, I am just a walking billboard for (laughs) apparently Chaplin Hirschfeld. (laughs) But I have other ones. I have other ones. Be like her. Be like Catherine. (laughs) You know? That's right. I'm uh, always on brand. We are wait. Uh, I'm waiting for the Hirschfeld tattoo. You know, once oh, she gets a Hirschfeld thing, tattoo. We've uh, this is this is a tangent, but we might as well talk about it. We have seen photographs of some really incredible Hirschfeld tattoos. Uh, really, I mean, some that are just. I think. I mean, there, I've, we've seen Clark Gable. We've seen self portraits. I've I've seen a Gene Kelly. Yeah. I think of Maryland even. The yeah. best one though, and I'll have to look up whose it is. The best one though was just the simple line that turned into his finger pointing. Oh yeah. And yeah. that was it was just so good. But the thing about tattoos How about is, the guy who has the like the seven silent film stars tattooed on one arm? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the stamps? Know. Uh, no, they're different drawings. Oh. There, some are the stamps, but some are yeah. other other. Oh, drawings. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, I've yeah, yeah. That, that guy is really incredible. We've seen some really great ones. But the thing that I would have, I would worry about, because his lines are so, you know, they're very delicate, is if you make them too thick, they're going to be runny, and it's just going to not look good. Um, but So the one that I really like, that's why I like that just simple line that with the the arm or the hand because i think it'll look good even in 30 years but i think i'll stop with that we always joke i would get obviously my tattoo would be the duke McHale tattoo the duke McHale hirschfeld tattoo we i don't think we've talked about duke McHale ever on the podcast uh there's probably a good reason for that i don't know well i'll have Obscure to figure dancer i'll have to figure something out uh, I'll put a link to the Duke McHale. It's one of I my favorite I think we talked drawings. about Duke McHale during the Rodgers and Hart episode. Right. You mean the Rodgers and Hammerstein episode? Right. Well, right. We, yes. Yes. It's possible. Uh, he was in Babes in Arms. It's a wonderful drawing. I'll link to the drawing because if you haven't seen it. It's in the Hirschfeld Century. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Duke McHale drawing, you must see it because it is a great one. So if you want to see the exhibition, it's alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash exhibitions. Yeah. If you want to go to the gift shop, it is alhirschfeldfoundationshop.org slash SDT for socially distant theater. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, you, uh, you now know how to get to our website. You can look up yes. anything that Hirschfeld has ever drawn. Yep. And we've got over 7,000 images there. So you can look them up any way you think you would like to look them up or you'd like to just go on the timeline and see all the drawings from 1947. Go right That's ahead. what David does in his free time. I have done it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he will admit. You can find us. We're also on Patreon. Uh, we're the Her- uh, Hirschfeld Century Podcast. Patreon.com slash Hirschfeld Century Podcast. Uh, we have lots of different levels. If you care to donate, if you really enjoy our podcast, uh, I was just talking with somebody about Patreon the other day. I said, of course I support podcasts. So if you like us, it would be a help. Um, to check us out on Patreon. And, and our podcast is at alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcast with an S. S for is for solo social. Show. 
Oh, I was going to say socially distant theater. The solo Same show thing. is good. So <laughs> solo shows, we get two S's. Um, and then we're on Facebook, Al Hirschfeld Foundation, Twitter and Instagram, at Al Hirschfeld. Um, and I posted today, you know, I posted, well, it'll be the other day probably by the time this comes out. Yes. <laughs> trying to post, I'm trying to post more drawings with more Nina's because we've been getting some feedback and the people demand more Nina's in the drawings. So don't worry. I'm trying to take care of everybody. <laughs> well, we salute you. Thank You're you. You're a front line it, with her spell. You literally am, are a line worker. <laughs> I am on the front lines here. <laughs> hey, look, everybody. Stay safe. Stay yes. healthy. Stay sane. Uh, we want to be sitting next to you in, the, in a theater seat sometime soon. Probably won't happen anytime real soon. But we're going to get there. And we're all going to stay strong. And uh, we hope that this exhibition and anything you find on the site makes your quarantine, your lockdown, a little bit easier to take. Yes. And send us a message if you want. If you enjoyed it or if you didn't enjoy it, let us know. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, uh, don't rate us. But if you did, rate it. <laughs> I, I've said it before. I don't think you're allowed to rate your own podcast because every time I put five stars, it then erases and goes back to, like, you know, like, graze the stars out. <laughs> so... There you go. She was trying to stuff yeah. the ballot box. I was. But uh, when you do rate and review us on something like iTunes, that helps other people find it. And it's For a great sure. way to yeah, do it. Really or, or just tell somebody about the uh, Yeah, that's podcast. true. Yep. So uh, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you when we do. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.